Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. It's happy, happy time now. The fifth episode has come and gone. We have made it to the other side. And in all honesty, episode five was a gut-wrencher. It was a very beautifully done portrayal of the relationship between her Aes Sedai and Warder. And it was just an overall well-told story with a beautiful and amazing conclusion. So that's my overall thoughts on the uh, episode that we got of Blood Calls Blood. So let's break it down. First, that opening scene, that whole beginning, the burial, the just all of that was mwah, chef's kiss of how you end the story of these great and amazing characters that have portrayed themselves up to this moment and how you introduce what may be the thoughts of foreshadowing for what is coming later on in future seasons. So I thought the look of it was great. I thought the presentation was amazing. I thought the characters in it, just the silence that they gave us was well done. Overall, that whole scene was just one of the most interesting ways just to begin an episode that we've had in a while. And overall, the episode itself is very comparable to my enjoyment of episode four. And not just because of the great conclusion to the episode like episode four, but the over, the whole story coming together that we got was just, it, it was great. It There's almost nothing better than that. Now, we also got some little things that if we paid attention to, which I hope the whole class was paying attention, then it gives us an understanding of what's still to come. And it also should confirm what I've been trying to tell everybody from the beginning. There are stories being done with directions already being given in them to tell you who the Dragon Reborn is. And because of that, this episode put further light on who it's not versus who it is. Which I thought was great because in the overall that ends up telling you who it is. Now... Where do we start? Let's start with... Uh, let's take... We're going to take the smaller points first. And then build to the bigger overarching story of the whole episode. Which was the Warders, the Aes Sedai, and the Tower. Okay? So those are the things we're going to hit more towards the end. So we'll begin first with... The introduction of Lowell. I thought that was beautiful. Yes, I want him to be taller and a little bigger. I would love, would have loved that. But I still think that he was done very well. The energy he had was great. The way he, he was portrayed was exactly what I remember from the books. The continuous conversation, even when he's not being talked to. The thinking that humans are moving too quickly. <laughs> Just... The overall nature of the character, I, I I think, is done extremely well. And I think it was a great choice 
He may not be as big as I wanted him to be, but everything else is beautiful. And he is going to be a great addition for the story going forward because once he gets his hands on something, if you, if you, from those who remember him from the book, he will latch on to that. So that was great. That also tied in with Rand and Matt and Lugane when he finally makes it and does the procession through um, Tarvalon. So Lowell had some interesting things to say about Rand. First of all, Rand is not a Two Rivers person, according to Lowell. He's an ailman. So that tells us something that we didn't know before. And it brings about further questions about the character of Rand. But it also does the portrayal that Rand is being given by the actor right now. Makes it ten times better. Because you're hitting all the notes. There was a question posed on Twitter like, What has been your favorite thing about the first five episodes so far? And to me, the most interesting development has been Rand. Because it's been slow. It's been paced. The tempo has been great. The actor playing him has done him complete justice. And he comes across as this naive character who doesn't completely know. But also this connected character to everybody else. Which is extremely important to how he's portrayed in the book. And I thought that if changes were coming this might be one that would. But it didn't. And I think that that's been beautiful to watch. Because... Yes, everything happening has been fast-paced for everybody else. But for Rand, it's been paced so methodically and so well that his overall arc, when he finally has to be put into those situations that we're all expecting at some point, it's going to be one of the more interesting developments of a character in this whole series. Which is... A great contrast to Nynaeve when you think about the fact that her character has been pushed at such a pace so fast, so de- developed so quickly, and introduced to so many things at once, that to have that contrast on screen and to have them honestly be polar opposites of each other in the way their characters have developed has been one of the best parts of this whole series. Because it's been necessary for who the characters are. It gives us. Because in any of his headstrong. Rand, while he is stubborn, is also very kind. And he's being given that portrayal and that character development. Because it works for who he is. And who he's going to be. I told you last episode. Rand, to me, has shown the most indication of being the Dragon Reborn. Because his story hasn't been given any more depth than what has been necessary so far. His progression is so important and so slowly and methodically done that when he truly becomes the Dragon Reborn, it's going to be something that we're not only hit over the head with, but we're going to transition because of how the pace before that was done so well. That's why it can't be anybody else. Everybody else has a story. They have something they're holding on to. Matt has something huge that he's holding on to. Aguin has something that she's holding on to. Perrin, this episode, we learn, has something that he's holding on to that he doesn't even know he has. 
And that's not the first time for his character that he has something that you can't tell anybody. But this time is the first time that it's something he doesn't even realize in and of himself. And Nynaeve has her own being one of the strongest channelers to be shown in what feels like generations for them. Because that's how it's portrayed in the show. So, like I said, with all of that, I think that Rand's methodical pace, which with the character is being developed, leads to only one place that he can go. While all the other characters have somewhere else they're heading to. So, I I just think at a whole, Rand has been done extremely well. And these last three episodes to come are going to give us something amazing for the ending of his character for just this season. As he has to grow into the following seasons. Now, given that, we switch sides. Let's go to Aguin and Perrin. First of all, they had to run. The White Cloaks wanted them. They didn't want to be captured. Then they ended up getting captured. And then a scene that I found has been a bit controversial in conversation. But also very well done in scope. Was the Aguin scene where she is captured by the White Cloaks, her and Perrin. And she's being stripped and put in an outfit. The nudity without nudity... And to show the White Cloaks intensity and who their character... I thought developed the characters of the White Cloaks more than they had already been developed. I also thought it put Aguin in a situation that is coming for her many times over. And develops her exterior, her hard exterior more than almost anybody else. So I thought that's a very interesting start at this point. And then Perrin... Yeah, so those combination of scenes between the two of them has been very interesting and has led to some thoughts of their parents kind of attracted to her. And you can see it in, in previous episodes that Perrin has a very deep interest in Aguin. I just don't know which way the show has is taking it just yet, whether or not it's going to be that he had some kind of love interest for her or... He's just a very protective older brother of her. And either one of those two can be great if done correctly. But the love interest seems to be unnecessary. Especially when it's just, it doesn't make sense at this point. Now, Aguin's channeling. Aguin's ability. And the show of who she is and what she does is interesting and it shows a contrast to where Nanive is at versus where she was at because unlike Nanive who expelled all of that in moments Aguin has to still try to pull it out more than anybody else and it also shows the fact that channeling doesn't need to be done with the hands as been has been explained because in the scene where she finally builds up the ability to use the one power and throws that little tiny fireball at, um, you know, Child Vilda, or uh, A-Hole, as she throws it at him, she's also working without her hands to let the ropes loose for Perrin and let him out. 
So those two contrasts show that the ability of the one power, while the hands, using the hands is great and it's an instrument, it doesn't have to be used in that way. It also shows her ability. She has a lot more control than what we saw in Nanive because Nanive was just pure energy while Aguin was control and understanding. So I think we're, we're going to gauge which power levels are are what and where they are because of the fact that control is going to come into play on this. That's something that I think I'd introduce this episode very, very well and plays out to the characters at hand because of the simple fact that Nanive was out of control and Aguin, Aguin was in full control. And that's something that got shown in just two episodes. And I thought that was great. Now, Aguin did great. Her character development has been by far one of the best. Now, as I said, she has a lot of things that she's doing that take her out of the running to being the Dragon Reborn. And I thought that the only two characters that are being introduced to possibilities of being the Dragon Reborn were Rand and Perrin. And Perrin should have, for everybody that's watching, taken himself out of the context for being the Dragon Reborn. If you paid attention. I hope it wasn't just me. I heard wolves the throughout the whole episode. There were wolves in the background at different portions of different points of the episode, at so many things, and especially just as, as Perrin is being tortured and being cut in the back, you can hear it. So he has a connection with wolves, and then it doesn't help that his eyes turned yellow. I'm sorry, you cannot make him the Dragon Reborn on top of making him a connection to wolves, on top of having his eyes turn yellow, on top of finally revealing that it was his fault that his wife died. He has a lot. Adding on Dragon Reborn to him just doesn't make sense. At all. So I don't see the point of doing that. Like I said last episode. But the introduction of the yellow eyes, the introduction of of the wolves coming to help them, be, and which was shortly after his eyes turned yellow, like all of that plays into that he has some connection with wolves. And that connection with wolves means something deeper in the long run. Now, of course, Aho got stabbed in the neck, so that made me happy. <laughs> I think it made a lot of us happy because we should not like the White Cloaks. Oh, not yet. But, so, these two characters developed very well. These two characters have an interesting arc with each other and because of each other. So, I thought that with the little notes that we got about Rand, the little, the subtle changes that happened to Matt, the reintroduction of Nynaeve to Rand and everybody else, and, and Matt, the introduction of Lowell, Perrin and um, Aguin being captured and having their stories, and then their stories previously being, you know, increased. That was all great stuff that happened little by little. 
throughout the episode. But the biggest part of this episode, the biggest thing of this episode, for me, was Lan and, you know, the bond between Aes Sedai and Warder. And then in the end, the Warder taking his own life. So, this begins with Steppen and his journey to return the Aes Sedai ring and ending up melting it down as supposed to be done with ritual. And then his arc of whether or not he would join another Aes Sedai and his story with not being able to sleep with Nynaeve and then his friendship with Lan. So those segments, as they progressed, were shocking in the sense of you were introduced to something deeper that I don't think we got a full scope of in the books. Yes, we got an understanding from the connections that we were given, but the detail with which you got the warders' connections to each other and then the pain of loss that Stepin suffered and how he understood that that loss was something so important to him that he couldn't continue, but also he understood that his friends wouldn't allow him to sacrifice himself in just because of the pain that he was suffering. Because to them, they believed that if he reached the other side, he would be better. But the problem was he was never going to reach the other side. I thought that the whole arc of this episode was finding the different stages of grief and finding the different moments of realization and overall telling the story of a character and his growth and his love and also his respect. And when this character finally reaches the point where he understands that he cannot continue to be the same person that he was because the reason that he was is no longer there, knowing that he has to remove himself from that is done in such a respectful way because he knew that he couldn't remove himself if he allowed his friends and companions to be in the middle of it. But also his friends and companions understood that he couldn't be left alone because they thought that this could happen, which indicates to me that it's something that has happened previously with other warders. And it's something that there is a worry for when they lose an Aes Sedai. But it's also something that they believe it can be gotten past if given the right amount of time. And I thought all those things being shown at the same time, all those things being portrayed within just a small group of characters was extremely well done. Was just portrayed and given to us in a manner that's better than almost anything else. And after everything, after all that happened, 
I found the show of emotion at the end by Lan and by everybody else that was there in that scene when they're saying goodbye to Stepan after he had taken his own life. I thought that that was not only well done, but emotionally drawn out correctly. I think Lan needed to show that emotion because throughout the whole the whole couple of episodes, he had been the one most connected to Stepan. He had been the one most integrated with Stepan. He had been the one that understood the most and been there for him. So if he didn't show the emotion necessary at that moment, then there wasn't going to be anyone else that could. There wasn't going to be any other way of portraying this. There wasn't going to be anything else that could be done. He had to reach that point where he expels it because he himself was feeling so many things at the thought that he could lose Maureen at any moment. And how would he overcome the loss of his Aes Sedai? Would he be better than Stepan? Would he be worse? How could he handle that? And then his friend had lost who he was connected to. How am I here for my friend? How am I not? What can I do? For Lan to, in the end, expel all of that emotion in a yell, while at the same time pounding his chest in rhythm with everybody else, was not only beautifully done, but it was the right art to take with a character and very well well portrayed by everybody involved. You could feel the emotion of that scene. You could feel the emotion and connection of all of that. I thought everything done there was just amazing. And I cannot believe that there's anybody that thinks Land showing any kind of emotion is, is wrong. Are you dumb for what you're watching? Like, I've read too many people online saying he should not. No, he should have. It was smart for what we were being given. And to have taken that away would have hurt the development of that character and the story as a whole. Because if you cannot see, there is foreshadowing for what's to come. Something's coming, not this season maybe, but something's coming between Land and Moraine. There's too many looks, there's too many things happening. There's too much being shown to us little by little for it not to be the way it's supposed to be. So, if you don't like this scene, don't like this ending, I don't know what to tell you, man. You, you have got to be crazy. Just pure crazy. In the overall, as I've said plenty of times in this episode, this was a beautifully done episode. This was a beautifully portrayed character development. This was amazing. I thought from beginning to end, the overarching story of this episode was done so well. And then the little parts that we got gave us what's coming next well as well. So, I can't wait for the next one. I can't wait for this to end. I can't wait to reach the end of the season. That way we know what's coming in the next season. I, I just, I'm excited, as I've always been. And I enjoy this. And I enjoy talking about it. So, I thank anybody that listens. And I thank you all for sticking it out. See you on the next one. Peace.